Uh, this evening's reading is taken from Genesis uh, chapter 24. Uh, Genesis chapter 24, uh, reading from uh, verse 1 to verse 27. And I'm reading from the Living Bible. Abraham was now a very old man, and God blessed him in every way. One day Abraham sent to his household administrator, who was his oldest servant, Swear by Jehovah, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not let my son marry one of these local girls, these Canaanites. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife for him there. But suppose I can't find a girl who will come so far from home, the servant asked. Then shall I take Isaac there to live among your relatives? No, Abraham warned. Be careful that you don't do that under any circumstance. For the Lord God of heaven told me to leave that land and my people and promise to give me and my children this land. He will send his angel on ahead of you and he, and he will see to it that you find a girl from there to be my son's wife. But if you don't succeed, then you are free from this oath. But under no circumstance are you to take my son there. So the servant vowed to follow Abraham's instructions. He took with him ten of Abraham's camels, loaded with samples of the best of everything his master owned, and journeyed to Iraq, to Nahar's village. There he made the camels kneel down outside the town beside a spring. It was evening and the women of the village were coming to draw water. O Jehovah, the God of my master, he prayed, show kindness to my master Abraham and help me to accomplish the purpose of my journey. See, here I am standing out beside this spring and the girls of the village are coming to draw water. This is my request. When I ask one of them for a drink, and she says, yes, certainly, I will pour water for your camels too. Let her be the one you have appointed as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know. As he was still speaking to the Lord about this, a beautiful young girl named Rebecca arrived with a water jug on her shoulder and filled it at the spring. Her father Bethuel, the son of Nahar, and his wife Michael, Micah. Running over to her, the servant asked her for a drink. Certainly, sir, she said, and quickly lowered the jug to drink for him to drink. Then she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have enough. So she emptied the jug into the watering trough and ran down to the spring and kept carrying water to the camels until they had enough. The servant said no more, but watched carefully to see if she would finish the job, so that he could know whether she was the one. Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he produced a quarter-ounce gold earring and two five-ounce gold bracelets for her wrists. "'Whose daughter are you, miss?' he asked." Would your father have any room to put us up for the night? My father is Bethuel, she she replied. My grandparents are Micah and Nahar. Yes, we have plenty of straw, 
and food for the camels and a guest room. The man stood there for a moment with head bowed, worshipping Jehovah. Thank you, Lord God, my master Abraham, he prayed. Thank you for being so kind and true to him and for leading me straight to the, fa- to the family of my master's relatives. Amen. Remember the Reverend Derek Moon and his eldest daughter, who was in fact part of our fellowship some years ago, Hilary Koo. Some nodding of heads, so you remember her. Well, Derek, of course, went to be with his Lord and Master earlier this year, and uh, some of us attended his Thanksgiving service uh, down at Frinton, and uh, something stood out. Much was good was said about. Derek, and we rejoiced in our Christian conviction and persuasion about the afterlife. But what impressed me was his daughters, who were very musical like their father, and uh, had composed a little song, which they used to sing together years ago. But on this occasion, as they journeyed from the crematorium to the church, they said to one another, this is the song for the church now. Now, you're going to listen to something that reminds us that these girls, young ladies, are very gifted indeed. But they convey something of the wonder of the Christian faith that Jesus loves us, Jesus is with us through life and into death. And uh, if we've got the right cue, we'll go and listen to three girls, the daughters of uh, Derek Moon. talking to him. <laughs> well, it's good to see Lou and Bonnie here tonight. Yes. And what are you doing these days, Bonnie? <laughs> I'm working um, in the NHS in now, Bonnie was brought up here. She's now worshipping in an Anglican church. So we to moved our final trip in, and uh, it's Hillary. No, it's <laughs> friends. I think we'll leave it. We'll have to. It's a lovely song, <laughs> but we have to be patient, and we'll have another time. Right. If you've got a Bible with you, Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Cole's uh, syllabus through the Old Testament, through the book of Genesis. Uh, Some of those chapters are toughies, but this one has been of sheer joy and delight just to read it. I can't remember when I last did, in fact, look at it in intent, but it's brought me great joy this last week preparing for this... uh, this service. So if you have a Bible open and turning to Genesis 24, we'll look at something under the title of Love at First Sight. 
How many can put their hands up and say that? Just Valerie. Harry, sorry, Harry. There you go. Love at first sight. I think another person could say it, but she may. Anyway, that's by the by. <laughs> the English, excuse me, the Oxford, the Oxford English Dictionary informs us that a narrative is a written account of a connected events in order of happening. And what we have here in Genesis 24 is the longest narrative in Genesis recounted in unparalleled detail. The story related is itself quite simple. God made a mighty promise to Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 1, he said, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. That meant, of course, that Abraham, who had a son, needed to make sure his son had a wife, if that promise was to be fulfilled. Because, you see, Abraham was an old boy. He wasn't just 100 years old. He was 140 years old when uh, he sent his servant out on this journey to secure a wife for his son. Isaac was already 40 years of age, so we're told. Genesis 25, verse 20. So, and there was dad, 140. Two old people. And it was Abraham who said to his servant, I like to give him a name. You can do that and justify saying that because of Genesis 15, verse 2. I like to call him Eliezer. He's not just a servant, he's Eliezer. And he was assigned this job to find a wife for Isaac. And he was successful in his task. He was the one who introduced Isaac to Rebekah, his future wife. And we have a delightful description of their first meeting. If you turn back to Genesis 24, the passages that uh, Tim didn't read to us, the second half of this very long chapter, 60, what did I say? There were 66 verses. So in, in verse 63, verse 64, if you've got your Bible open, you'll see there, they went out and uh, it was Joseph who was in the field one evening meditating and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching and Rebekah looked up and saw Isaac. That verb, look up, they both looked up, caught one another's eyes. Love, I would suggest, at first sight. Certainly it developed into love and it was surely then love at first sight. But this is one of the few instances in the Bible where love is the language that is used to describe the relationship between a man and a woman. So Genesis 24 is a really beautiful story about marriage. Verse 67, what do we read? We read these words. Isaac brought Rebekah into the tent of his mother Sarah and he married Rebecca, he married her. Marriage. Always in God's way, that is what is meant for us. That special relationship between a man and a woman is brought into a marriage. 
It reminds us then this verse that marriage is a sacred contract. That marriage is something that God should be consulted in and that God's blessing is always to be sought. Marriage. And we note then that Eliezer stayed faithful to his task until all was completed and Rebecca and Isaac were the happily married couple. This was a man who prayed, verse 12. What do we read? There in verse 12 it says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. Eliezer prayed. Eliezer stayed faithful to his task when, until all was completed and Rebecca and Isaac then were a happily married couple. Eliezer prayed for guidance. And what we also noticed too, that after all his prayers of request, in verse 26, he also gives God thanks for the provision of this, uh, this good lady. Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. The Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. So here was Eliezer, given a task to do, looking to the Lord for help and strength, being guided and finding Rebecca, Isaac's wife-to-be. And we have to say of Eliezer that he was trustworthy. He was someone who was prayerful. He was, he was obedient. He was grateful. He was committed. And I just want to say to you, and as I've said to myself this last week, those sort of qualities should be found in us. Because you and I must never forget that if we've been called to follow Jesus Christ in our lives, then the Holy Spirit works through us in similar ways. Matthew 28 records the words of the risen Christ. We call it the Great Commission. It is given to all Christians in every age when Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's not just for the first century or the 21st century. It's for every century until the Lord returns. So there's Eliezer, lovely character, emerging forth from these verses of Genesis 24. But the other one, of course, is Rebecca. Rebecca, there in verse 16. Wonderful verse of description. The girl was very beautiful. On the outside, she was stunning. You couldn't walk past without looking. She was a stunner on the outside. But she was also beautiful on the inside. She was moral. What does it say there in verse 26? The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. No man had ever lain with her. She was saving herself for one man who would commit to her in marriage. That seems a strange idea today. I look at 10 Downing Street. A quaint idea. But I say to you, God's standards have to be maintained, especially in the church. I believe we do need to create a counterculture of Rebecca's who will save themselves sexually unto marriage 
and then exhibit their beauty as married women in the way Peter writes. In the Apostle Peter, in his letter, chapter 3, verse 3, he says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. Beauty is something we can create in Christ, following his ways. But it's not only the the ladies who have this task. Men, likewise, have a part to play. And I'm reading from Ephesians 5. The Apostle Paul now says, Husbands, the married man, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish but holy and blameless. So all those thoughts out of this verse. She was beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever lain with her. But she was in God's hands. Also notice about Rebecca that she was a hard-working person. Again, if you're looking in the passage, verse 16 tells us she was down at the spring or the well. I'm not sure what, what is the correct translation here. It could have been a spring, could have been a well. But she was gathering water for the day. And of course, uh, what happens here, she not only sees to her own needs, but of course, as we gather from the story, um, she is requested to help with Eliezer's needs with his camels. Please give me, he says there in verse 17, a little water from your jar. How many camels did Eliezer have? Ten. Ten camels. And each of those camels were capable of drinking 20 to 25 gallons of water. And if the average water jar might have contained five gallons of water, that's the equivalent of 40 pounds weight, then those 10 camels needed a total of 200 or 250 gallons, which meant that Rebecca might have to make 40 to 50 trips from the well or the spring to these animals. And we're told she did it quickly. She must have been down to the gym regularly because it says she was always running, running again and again to complete the task. So Rebecca was not only beautiful and morally pure, she was a hard-working woman who had a servant's heart full of kindness and generosity. And lastly, to say this about Rebecca, that about her life, that she was a lady who submitted herself to the Lord's will. Verse 50 8, I turn the page and I read these words I will go I will go why is she prepared to go? why was Rebecca prepared to submit to the Lord's will and leave her family and her country and travel 400 miles to marry a man she'd never met? 
That's a big question to ask as you read this passage. Why? Why? Why was she prepared? Did she want to, to escape her family problems and run away? Was she tired of living under the self-centred conniving of her brother Laban? There's no answer to those sort of queries. But we do know that in this story of how the Lord led Eliadza to Rebekah, the central figure is the so sovereign Lord. And just as Eliadza was obedient, so we discover Rebekah was surely obedient. Certainly someone who was much impressed by how the Lord was in complete control of all the details of this story. Because in verse 12 to 14, she learned that the Lord had answered Eliadza's prayer. There she was listening to what Eliadza had to say. What was that prayer? Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. Give me success. And before he had finished praying, verse 15, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She heard him at prayer. And she learned that the Lord, it was the Lord who answered Eliezer's prayer. And she realised that her actions at the spring were the exact thing that Eliezer had prayed for. She saw Eliezer worshipping the Lord for his covenant love and his faithfulness. Verse 26, turn the page again. The man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. So she heard all this, the way he had been blessed, and the way the Lord had led, sent him. And so she had this conviction herself that the Lord would be leading her as he led Eliezer. That he would, as the Lord sent his angel so for Eliezer, so he would send his angel for her. The Lord is the one who grants success and who chooses brides for husbands. And it is the Lord who is the one who is to be worshipped and praised and bowed down to, because he is the one who marvellously leads his people. All this in Genesis 24. The Lord who so clearly revealed himself to Rebecca's family that they come alongside and there in verse 50 they say, all oh, this is from the Lord. So it's not surprising to learn that when Rebecca was asked if she wanted to leave her family, her country and all that was familiar to her and get on a camel and take a 400 mile journey to meet and marry a man whom she's never seen before and start a new life with him, what does she say? She says, I will go. definite decision I will go and I think we can also add that in telling Eliadza I will go she was also telling the Lord I commit my life to you I commit my life to you O Lord and I finish with that then What does that statement say to us? Is that something we have yet to say to the Lord? I commit my life to you. Is God calling us to leave behind our self-righteousness? 
or our stubborn will or our our control over our lives. The question tonight is, as we look at Eliezer and Rebecca, have I surrendered to him completely as they did? That's a question I leave with you. And if there's an answer to be given in your life and you want to make it clear and concise and definite, then Cole's here and anyone really. Speak to them and pray that prayer with another. Lord, I want to commit myself to you 100%. Like Eliezer and Rebecca. Let's pray.